Welcome back to the program. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. We're the daily business news program from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and our website, BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe. I'm Tyler Orton. And with us to discuss the latest news in the technology industry is Brittany Whitmore. She's CEO and founder of Xvera Communications. We also have with us futurist and researcher Nick Badminton. Brittany and Nick, great to have you guys both on the show today. Great to be here. Let's see now. Technology. What what could possibly be in the news around technology this week? It's heating up. Is there, there's a company called Facebook, as I understand. And you ever use it before, Kirk? Um, I have friends of friends of friends oh, okay. who have <laughs> told me about it. Uh, I understand there's a bit of a pickle there, Nick. Yeah, so um, there was a bit of a pickle uh, long before this whole revelation with Cambridge Analytica and and how it could actually manipulate the political landscape. Um, basically, this is a company that, that said that they could promise to affect the and influence populations to vote in certain ways and and seed messaging and, and whatever psychographic profiling. Yeah, but this has been around forever. Yeah, I used so, to work in psychographic profiling yeah, yeah, yeah. for years and years and years. And um, But w- what this is, is a massive uh, data grab from Facebook that they were supposed to get rid of, but apparently didn't, but apparently did. Now, And it was permissible back when they did it. Yeah. Right? I mean, Facebook's privacy policies did yeah. not forbid you to do this. So uh, all they did, they were playing by rules. So here, here's the interesting thing. I would say 90% of all the tech companies that, that sprung out of Silicon Valley and China and all these places have scraped data from Facebook and have used it illegally. Illegally, yeah. 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 Because you can go there, any public profiles from LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, all of it. it it's so is practice. it just that Cambridge Analytica is the first to be identified and because it has such prominent uh, clients? Yeah. The, Brexit, the, 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 Donald Trump, that we are focusing on them. But in fact, there's a whole brigade of others out there. Yeah. And, you know, allegedly, like the CEO has been promising to do all sorts of like smear campaigns and like, you know, can yeah. really sort of destroy people. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's worthwhile going online to take a look at Channel 4's investigations. Yeah. They, they, they're they all available online. It's quite, yeah. <laughs> quite interesting viewing. Uh, I should mention that psychographic profiling was the name that I wish I had for the, my high school bands, but we I know. never that clever back That's in the right. day. But uh, <laughs> Brittany, what's even Cambridge the- Analytica is a good name for a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> what's the solution though, Brittany? I, I mean, are we just destined to, I don't know, delete our social media presence if we want to protect our own personal data here? What options do we have at this moment? You definitely want to be careful to what you opt in with. I mean, you look at this, it's astoundingly amount of information they were able to get from, you know, what was how what was it, you know, 50,000, 200,000 people that took this survey. Yeah. And then they would take the information from the survey, match it with the data that they could scrape online, as well as they did take from their friends. You know, you've got six degrees separation max these days. So when you combine all of that data, that gives you basically their entire voter base. That's a huge deal. So be careful what you opt into. There's lots of fun little quizzes. Oh, if you were an ice cream, what would you be? And, you know, it's very tempting to sign up for these things. That was really hard. That was a tough one. I'll give you Rocky Road. Yeah, that's true. true. Okay, thank you. But really, these are just data grabs for sure. So go and look at what you've got permissioned on your Facebook. And if your Facebook is public right now, I highly suggest making it private or just being really careful what you post. But Brittany, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. These companies are predicated on trust. Right. So mm-hmm. so is the, is the real issue here that they're going to start uh, dissipating because consumer trust begins to dissipate in them? I don't think people are going to be able to stop. I think people are going to keep posting about their lives they're going to keep using Facebook. And it's just, you know, they've they've got us hooked on it. We're going to keep giving our information. Yeah, here's the kicker. So it was never based on trust in the beginning. 
It was based on you being able to connect to your friends uh, at whatever cost. Um, you know, started all the way back with GeoCities and then into MySpace and oh, then into Friendster. Yeah, I'm Friendster. Old. I'm Remember Friendster. Old. Yeah, Friendster, and then into Facebook when Facebook came out. But ultimately, but ultimately, though, Nick, aren't we? Aren't we? Uh, we're, yes, because the, because these platforms now can be replicated elsewhere. Yeah. Aren't we going to go with a brand that we think we can trust around how it's going to use our data? I don't think most of the people in the world are awake enough to even make that decision. I don't think they do. I think basically the serotonin and dopamine kicks that you get from all of the the, the likes and whatever. I actually ran an experiment at the beginning of last year. Um, for three months, I turned on every notification on every system I could have, dating apps, um, Facebook, Snapchat, everything. Um, and then one day I deleted all of them and my crash was so low, I hit a point of depression and, and, and sat at home crying for two hours. So we've got a situation where we're actually being um, manipulated. I have no social media on my phone anymore. I think we need to, as a, as a society, need to know about a responsible usage of tools for the connectivity. Facebook isn't a responsible tool. I, I wish we could uh, segue into something jollier to talk about, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't figure out something clever. Instead, let's talk about- Let's go on Facebook and find out. That's probably something, <laughs> it's probably something we can find out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Uber, they've halted their testing of driverless vehicles after a pedestrian was killed earlier this week in Arizona, bringing up, I, I guess, maybe confirming a lot of you know suspicions mainstream people had about this technology. Brittany, are we going to see, I guess, even more suspicion going forward with mainstream public with regards to their acceptance of this kind of technology? So there's a few things about this one. I mean, the pedestrian was not in a crosswalk. I don't want to say, oh, you know, that, you know, I don't want to you know, take it totally the other direction. But the truth is there is there. People get hit by cars all the time. This is normal. This is not anything new. Autonomous cars, sure, it's pretty new. Uh, Google was be has been tested, or actually, technically, Alphabet has been testing these before. Nobody's been killed yet. There are different jurisdictions allow for you have a backup driver, or some that allow that you do. But people are going to get hit by cars, and you need we all need to be careful. And I don't think that this should stall progress. I mean, yeah, but, but again, back to the issue of trust, Nick. I mean, people, the skeptics. Are, have been almost waiting for an accident like this to happen. Right? Okay. Especially with Uber. It, it goes two ways, right? So um, about 90 people a day um, die in, in North America in uh, human-caused human car incidents. Now, we don't know if this was human-caused, if it was the car caused. If someone runs out in front of a car with almost no time to stop, the car's going to kill them. And it's always going to be the way of autonomous vehicles. And it, it, we're La never gonna laws of physics do not provide the ability to break it's sufficient time. Yeah. It's in in, in microseconds, you just can't do it. Yeah. it it's no matter how good your but system is. But I've seen is. great things about autonomous vehicles that says that they can basically go at about 80 kilometers yeah. an hour within two feet of each other yeah. and never brush up. Yeah. So if you, mm -hmm. if, you, if you think about it this way, if autonomous vehicles were only 10% better than human drivers, that's 10% less fatalities on the road, which is still a huge amount of people per year, about 200 in North America. So it, it, it's, it's like this situation is, it, it's, it's a level of degrees. It's not like absolute totality of safety. Um, the one thing that's really interesting about this, is it the engineer in the car or is it the car itself um, actually controlled by Uber um, that's responsible for the death of that person? And here's the other thing there is somebody has to program this to make these decisions. You know, I, I remember thinking about this way back at the beginning where, you know, the car is programming has to make the decision. Say somebody's going to die. It's going to be the pedestrian. It's going to be the person in the car. How does how does it feel to be that person who has to program how it makes that decision of who's going to die? Okay. 
Okay. Well, it goes back to the trolley test that we exactly. all did in like philosophy 101. But <laughs> I'm going to destroy the idea of the trolley test. And okay, I do this every, uh-huh. every single day whenever <laughs> I speak to everyone. That was for trains. It takes trains a long, long time to stop. If uh, a self-driving car has got a, a decent amount of distance, like 20, 30 meters, it will stop. It will just stop. No one will die. Not the people on the side tracks because there's not side tracks on the roads, right? Um, but these situations, I mean, it's not programming, it's learning. And that's why engineers are there. I mean, Google's driven over a million miles without any incident, but they've been driving on very empty roads, right? And yet isn't one of the tests for all of this, the fact that we want to be able to have a maximum amount of traffic on our roads. Uh, and so therefore, we want as many of these autonomous vehicles to eventually materialize. We want to have them grouped as closely together as we can. And we, so we want them programmed to be able to somehow go pretty well cheek to jowl um, to bring us to our places. Yeah. And, um, you know, like this, this, this is the, the, the clock's ticking for Uber and Lyft and people like that, because if they don't crack this, their business is dead. Yeah, right. So maybe uh, some better transportation news for everybody here, but we do have word that the BC government is going to invest uh, a whopping three hundred thousand dollars in order to study this uh, high speed transportation between. That'll bring it over the top. I have to think so, but uh, overall, it's part of the strategy to further kind of solidify those connections between Vancouver, Seattle, this whole Cascadia region here. I'm just thinking about, Brittany, the ability to get a lot more, I guess, interaction between technology companies going on. What do you think of the prospects of this high-speed transportation? It could be a high-speed rail. They're even proposing maybe a Hyperloop system, according to the Washington State's uh, study that recently came out. What's your take on this? Coordination between the Cascadia region is definitely being a topic for the past year now, especially once we started seeing giants like Microsoft coming and putting larger offices up here. Actually, Microsoft has committed to putting $50,000 toward that feasibility study, which makes perfect sense to me because if they're going to be expanding, it's a lot easier to have people immigrate to Canada. So there's definitely different uh, players involved in this, but I mean, it's great. However, Personally, I think I'd rather see better local transportation before we improve the uh, transportation to Seattle. Nick, you're a futurist. Come on. Aren't we going to have like the Star Trek transporter by the time we get this high speed rail? Well, not for about 150 years. Actually, funnily enough, in Calgary, they've actually been able to teleport a, a proton of light about seven kilometers well, there across we are. the city. But so like, like, uh, we're, we're a ways We're a couple away. of weeks away there. We're a couple of weeks. I don't even think Hyperloop's going to come in. I think it's really interesting. I mean, look at the titans that are down there, like Amazon, um, Amazon, um, Microsoft, Starbucks, and there's all the companies that build themselves around the, yeah, those, Boeing. those behemoths yeah, yeah, and yeah. Boeing. Yeah. Will it be good? Yeah, I think you'll see daily commuters. I think you'll see daily commuters from Vancouver down to Seattle. It's going to kill our airport. I I think they'll... they'll, Well, we're going to see, though, also, I mean, we're we're actually going to get air transport out of our downtown into Seattle's downtown as well. It's going to crush YVR because you save tons of money flying out of Seattle. It's not big routes for YVR, though. Yeah. Mm, but, you know, you go to SeaTac from downtown, go sure. to SeaTac and fly out. So yeah. wouldn't you rather do that? I, when I flew to Africa last year, it was $700 cheaper to fly to Seattle. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's true. That's completely true. That's a good <laughs> well, uh, That's maybe- crazy. <laughs> One of the advantages here, very quickly, though, is uh, the uh, Dota 2 conference, the uh, championships. They're coming from Seattle. I don't know if it's traveling by Hyperloop necessarily, but we won it over from Seattle, I guess. Uh, there are rumors going around that maybe renovations over at Key Arena had some influence here. But guys, uh, uh, Nick, what do you think about the prospects of 
just getting more you know development uh, or gaming developers you know recognition here in vancouver by bringing a big huge one of the largest tournaments of its kind yeah. in the entire world up to vancouver versus seattle these are about the esports superstars right it's an industry that's over half a billion dollars in size now and thousands and thousands of kids will watch like several kids on stage like slug it out i it, what's interesting is that valve is one of the organizers of this conference and they're from washington state so for them to hop over the border is kind of a, a little bit of a a thumb towards uh, like Washington State and the U.S. as a Canadian whole. Canadian dollar, the Canadian, Canadian dollar, but dollar. I don't think it's just that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this. Well, if they have to do, redo the key arena because they're eventually going to get the NHL, right? So they they need to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry about laughing at that. Um, but, but there's something really interesting. Look at the demographic makeup of the kids in Vancouver. I traveled the SkyTrain the other day, and I was probably ten percent, uh, like as a as a you know Caucasian guy, yeah. And everyone else was of Asian descent, which I think is awesome in terms of diversity. Totally is. But Dota too, they're yeah. going to sell tickets just like that. Don't. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a yep. big, big event. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like Vancouver actually has a great history as a place of game development. We've got tons of small studios. We've got EA. We've got great history in that in that industry. I think it's a good fit for the region. And I definitely agree. It's going to do well. up. It's a little bit. I I mean, I'm I'm not quite as excited about it as I was about Ted. But the fact is that it really if, if they can keep it here for a long stretch of time or develop something up here on its own, I mean, it could be a really big resource for us. Yeah, this is a new cultural frontier, like yeah. esports, these, these new ways of working, um, these new ways of gaming and connecting with people. I think it's fantastic. Those kids aren't on Facebook either, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll depart the program today, but uh, I want to thank both of you guys uh, for joining us on the program, Nick and Brittany. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's Brittany Whitmore, CEO and founder of Xvera Communications and futurist and researcher Nick Badminton, and you're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 90.3. 